0: Hello and welcome to another episode of ABC Gotham my name is Kate and with me as always is Kathleen. Hello everybody! And we're up to the letter H again and today Kathleen what do we have I think we have a double H this, this is time.
1: a double H indeed. Welcome to episode H we'll be telling you all about the Harlem Hellfighters. This is an impressive story I hope you like it as much as we did we were very inspired when we read about these guys.
0: I think it's also a very important part of American history that doesn't always get covered, and we do try to do a lot of unique New York history. This will take us outside of the five boroughs and the surrounding area, but, uh, you know, it's it's something that started here. They came from here, so it's it's definitely worth covering, and it's something that I never learned of in school, so I was extremely happy to you know, broaden my horizons
1: on this topic. Yeah, me neither. I had never heard about this. So just to start out, what we're talking about is the 369th Infantry Regiment. So they were formerly known as the 15th New York National Guard Regiment. Now, this was an infantry infantry regiment of the United States Army, and they saw action in World War One and World War Two. We'll mostly be talking about World War One at this point.
0: They're actually still uh, today the Harlem Hellfighters, uh, I'm, they're not really called the Harlem Hellfinders anymore, but the 369th Infantry is still around. They've played a part in Desert Storm, um, in the War on Terror. So this is still an infantry that exists. And actually, if you're a listener and a member of the 369th Infantry, we would love some feedback on this. Or if you have a little extra info that we missed out on, please let us know. Absolutely. Email or uh, or comment on the Facebook page. That would be great. Just to give you some background up to them actually existing um, as an infantry unit, in 1896, there was the famous Plessy versus Ferguson, which the Supreme Court upheld the 14th Amendment, which was separate but equal treatment under law for different races, which, of course, as we all know, was never equal, definitely separate, substandard treatment, uh, to say the least. So separate but equal, including the military. The military was all segregated. You would have uh, all black infantries under uh, white commanders. Pretty much never any, Kathleen, am I right? Pretty much never any black officers before this? Absolutely,
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the armed forces were entirely segregated throughout much of U.S. history. Um, You might remember the movie Glory. That was a Civil War infantry unit that... uh, it was composed entirely of African American soldiers. Kate is correct. That was uh, armed forces were largely segregated throughout much of our history. So
0: this brings us up to 1913. Uh, President Wilson or actually ordered the segregation of federal office workers. He um, kind of kowtowed to southern forces, and it, I just can't believe it went as far as federal office workers. Can you like, believe
1: that? You can believe it. C-
0: it's on. It's yeah, r- really ridiculous. So of course in April 2nd on April 2nd 1917 the US enters World War I. The army um opens the draft to blacks and whites but of course as I mentioned with Plessy versus Ferguson uh they're segregated. Um this is also a time for the first time that the army is training black officers as well but they're absolutely never put in charge of white troops
1: um, and they'll never see combat. At this time a lot of their roles were largely Heavy labor, manual labor.
0: Yeah, so terrible. It, it, we'll get into that a little bit with the Harlem, with our Harlem boys. But uh, it's it's unbelievable. You join the army to fight for your country, and then you're told dig a
1: ditch. Mm-hmm. It's really awful. So as World War One rolls around, uh, and everyone can enlist, everyone's encouraged to enlist. Of course, it's called the Great War, not World War One. W.E.B. Du Bois, so he's a, one of the founders of NAACP urged his fellow African-Americans to quote close ranks in a now infamous piece. He wrote for the crisis. This is in July of 1918. So segregation was a problem, obviously. And despite the persistent segregation of black officers at training camps, Dubois writes, here's his quote, let us, while this war lasts, forget our special grievances and close our ranks shoulder to shoulder, with our white fellow citizens and the allied nations that are fighting for democracy. So in all, 2.3 million blacks registered for the draft during World War One. Now, Marines would just not accept them. Absolutely period. not. The Navy enlisted a few, but only in menial positions, but the Army. There were large numbers of African-American soldiers in the Army.
0: Right, we have 380,000 African-Americans serving, but as Kathleen said before, more than half of these were labor duties, which are building roads, bridges, trenches, all incredibly important things. But sure. I think not what
1: you're signing up for when you sign up for the Army. People sign up for combat, you know, as, as a nightmarish do. as it sounds. But that is also a lot of about uh, a lot of the concern of women in combat recently is right. you don't get promotions if you don't have time on combat. Um,
0: Of those 380,000, 42,000 actually saw combat, and most of those are within our Harlem Hellfighters. So African Americans had hoped serving in the war would help to dissipate racial tensions, but it only got worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, It got worse during the war, it got worse after the war, which we'll go into at the end when there's a period called Red Summer. Speaking of racial tensions, discrimination of African American troops led them to actually being filled to filled vacancies in the French army. So, it's pretty much the white American military is saying, "We don't want these guys. We've got them digging ditches. We've got them building roads." So, they send them along to the French, and the French are like, "These guys are awesome."
1: The French embraced the African American troops. It was it was really Remarkable. And they experienced uh, a level of freedom and equality that they didn't even experience in the United States, neither before and sadly not after the war.
0: So, before we get too much into them being in France and jumping the gun, let's go into a little bit about their training and where these
1: soldiers are from. Exactly. So Why are they the Harlem Hellfighters? Well, they largely came from New York City. The 369th Infantry Infantry Regiment consisted of African Americans and African Puerto Ricans. Most of the soldiers of the 369th came from Harlem or San Juan Hill, and that was around 59th Street in Manhattan and from the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn. This was an entirely African American group. They were the most famous black unit in World War I. They were known for being the first African-American regiment to serve with the American Expeditionary Force, or the AEF, in World War I, which just means they served in Europe. While they were serving in Europe, it was our German enemies who dubbed them the Harlem Hellfighters. So, like Kate was saying, armed forces were segregated. That's just how it was. That didn't end until Harry Truman passed a law, and even that took six years to actually be put into effect so the harlem hellfighters were the first all-black regiment to really change america's public opinion about black soldiers and they were hoping would help pave the way for more uh african americans in the military but as we can see that took quite a bit longer than just world war one really quick before we go into a little bit any more about the harlem harlem hellfighters i want to discuss what an infantry unit is because i didn't know this before i did the research so Uh, I'm going to define three terms really quickly, infantry and also cavalry and artillery. So those are the three divisions of all land armies. Infantry means foot soldiers, so that's the soldiers on the ground or in the trenches or other locations where they're going to actually directly engage the enemy. That is the most dangerous position. Cavalry used to mean soldiers on horseback, but now it means mounted soldiers, usually in tanks or in trucks, not too many horses in modern warfare anymore. Uh, essentially, the word cavalry refers to any army that it's mobile, any unit that's mobile but not on foot. And last is artillery, and that, those are the actual weapons, the large long-range weapons and the soldiers that operate them. So these are typically employed by the armies against structures, not necessarily people. So they're firing off at cities or underground facilities. So we're just discussing an infantry unit here, but I wanted to give a little background on that.
0: Yeah, when I think of uh, artillery, I think of like all the movies I've seen of World War One and World War Two, and several Doctor Who episodes where they have the giant cannons and they're like exactly firing
1: yeah. and... howitzers, massive guns, yeah, right.
0: And then of course I think of the infantry as the guys
1: in, which is exactly what it is. The guys <laughs> in the trench. And... That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah, they're the the first line people sent in. Uh, yeah, and these guys our Harlem Hellfighters were some of the best. They oh my god, wait till you hear. Oh my god.
0: Amazing. Well, let's go into a little bit about their their training, their mm-hmm. combat training. So we've said how they sent them over and they ended up, you know, digging ditches, mm-hmm. all this stuff. They actually did get some really basic infantry training. Not great. Um our French allies actually gave them better training in I infantry see. later. Uh, in, uh, on July 25th, 1917, at Camp Whitman in New York, uh, they were taught really simple stuff like military courtesy. So, mm-hmm. how to salute, how to address officers, how to stay low and out of sight during attacks, stand guard, march and foundation, nothing that's going to keep you alive. It's military stuff 101, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, they were sent to guard rail lines, construction sites, camps, and then... Uh, a few months later, October 8, 1917, the soldiers were sent down to Camp Wadsworth in South Carolina for
1: combat training. Oh, boy. I imagine that the experience of any black soldier in South Carolina is going to be wonderful, right, Kate?
0: Well... You're sending northern black troops to South Carolina, the first state to secede from the Union. Is that right? Yeah. It's going to go well. No. Significant racism. It's... Big problems. Really awful. Like, you just can't imagine. Uh, It gets so bad at some point. The Alabama National Guard, who were stationed nearby, were actually planning on attacking these guys.
1: Their own soldiers.
0: Their own soldiers. The same country. The same military. Wow. Wow. The National Guard is they, – they get word that this is going to happen. So uh, an officer, Hamilton Fish, actually issues live ammunition to the recruits, to the people in training, our uh, Harlem Hellfighters, huh. and uh, is like, be ready. Mm-hmm. And he marches over there to their encampment. I kind of love this part. An offers to fight any officer – Uh, in place and brings a six-foot-tall, six-inch, 260-pound heavyweight boxer who is one of the enlisted men, whose name is George Kid Cotton, Mm African-American, and he says he'll fight two, any two Southern gentlemen. (laughs) Uh, I'd like to say that nobody took them up on that offer.
1: Glad to hear it. I mean, there were other incidents with, with black troops also. There's one report here in Houston a different group but in 1917 members of the african-american 24th infantry retaliated against a series of assaults i mean they'd they been hassled a long time and in their retaliation they killed 14 white soldiers they wounded eight the authorities tried them secretly and speedily executed many i believe 13 were wow. hanged still in their khaki uniforms that's
0: so st- it's just terrible
1: it's ridiculous um, Let's go to France, Kate.
0: Well, I think before we get there, sadly, we've got <laughs> one more bout of racism. What? Just to let you know how how terrible racial tensions here were and how much, I'm sure how much more relieved I'd feel when I got to France mm-hmm. and suddenly you're treated as you should, like a human being. Uh, so before they're shipped out, usually, all right, so before they're shipped out, there's, in their this is part of a division called the Rainbow Division, and the National Guard puts on a parade to, you know, send our boys off in style or whatever. Mm. The commander of the whole of this unit is um, Colonel William Hayward. and he's actually told that they're not allowed to march in this parade. Now, this is the rainbow division, right? But Hayward is told that black is not a color of the rainbow, so they're not allowed to march in the parade.
1: It just gets worse. It just gets worse. How? How does... Okay. mm. Who is marching in the parade? The green soldiers? Everyone else. The purple ones? The
0: the pink ones? No, probably not. No, the pink ones, no. No. Wow. So, now we're getting to France. France! Which is where it just... It gets so... They get so good.
1: They... They're in the middle of a war, and it gets way better. And in it gets what?
0: Sadly, yes. Yeah. Uh, so of course, it, not right away. They get shipped out in December, and they're relegated right away to stuff we said before: labor, labor.
1: stuff that has to be done. Honestly, but Some they didn't bit- sign up for this. They didn't train for this.
0: Right. So in April of 1918, the army finally decides we got to do something with these guys. So the French army is just losing people. Like
1: there's just not enough people. A lot of casualties. A
0: lot of casualties. Uh, This was a
1: brutal war. And it was all all wars are brutal. Obviously, it's a stupid thing to say.
0: Our boys are assigned as a unit to the French army. And... They get to wear their American uniform, but they're also given French helmets and brown belts. They're treated exactly the same as all the other French units. There's no racial segregation. Um, at this point, there actually were black officers within this group as well. And they're treated exactly the same as the other officers. What a relief. Can you
1: imagine that? That's got to be some level of culture shock.
0: Right. Like, but, oh,
1: things are normal here. Yeah. I, as we get bombed.
0: As we get, as we get bombed. Uh, their training is finished by the French in trench warfare, which of course is a brand new thing and, well, not brand new, but it's something that we haven't fought in this country and was heavily used in World War One and World War Two. which they, I mean, they've been digging the trenches, but, you know, you have to advance the line, you have to dig new trenches,
1: you just have to keep going, and this is where they're taught. That's right, that's right. But, even in France black soldiers are not safe from the racist white Americans. Uh, there were bloody fights between black and white American soldiers and American Expeditionary Force headquarters. Oh, my God. Wait till you hear this. Went so far as to release a notorious pamphlet, Secret Information Concerning Black American Troops. That was the title of it. In which the American military warned French civilian authorities of the alleged inferior nature and supposed rapist tendencies wow. of African Americans. Can you freaking believe that? No. Can you believe that? No.
0: Well, then you've also got from the other side German propaganda coming out. That's it. Saying essentially, we've done nothing to you. Why the Germans are you...
1: haven't harmed African Americans. Right. Why are
0: you against us? Mm-hmm. You should
1: be against Americans. <laughs> Germans aren't oppressing you.
0: Yeah, which... <laughs>
1: You I know they're right. The Germans did not.
0: Work. They're true. It's true,
1: but <laughs> but it didn't work. No, of course not. It didn't work. They're American soldiers, and they became even more devoted to the USA because of that propaganda.
0: One amazing thing about this troop is that they stay in combat longer than any other American unit in the whole war. For a total of 191
1: days. That's that's a lot of war. That's a lot of war. Especially for their, given their spectacular performance. Exactly. Of those 191 days under fire, they never lost a foot of ground. They never had a man taken prisoner. There were two occasions where men were captured, but they were recovered. And only once... Did the 369th fail to take their objective, and that was due largely to French artillery had messed up on their end? There were 1,500 casualties. Right.
0: So we've talked about him before, Colonel William Hayward. He's famous for saying about his men, Turn back. I should say not. My men never retire. They should go forward or they die. Wow. Also, an amazing thing is they had a motto... Which is goddamn, let's go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, and we're, we're making light of this. People did die, and it was, it was very hard. It's war, but like just their how heroic and amazing this unit was
1: mm-hmm. is, is pretty great. There are a few individuals that really stand out. The most celebrated man in the 369th was Private Henry Lincoln Johnson, former Albany, New York rail station porter. He earned the nickname Black Death for his actions in combat in France. In May of 1918, Johnson and another one, Private Needham Roberts, fought off a 24-man German patrol. Two guys versus 24. Even though both were severely wounded at the time. After they expended their ammunition, Roberts used his rifle as a club. Amazing. And Johnson battled with a bolo knife. Reports suggest that Johnson killed at least four German soldiers and might have wounded 30 others. Now, usually African-American achievements and valor went unnoticed despite the fact that over 100 men from the 369th were presented with American and or French medals. Among those honors, Johnson was the first American to receive the Croix de Guerre, the Cross of War, awarded by the French government. This award signifies extraordinary valor.
0: Right, and the entire unit won one as well. So right. pretty much That's every right. the French were like, you guys are amazing. And the U.S. was like, yeah, it took uh, – there was one person from the Army who – it took, um, I'm going to have to try to find, because there's a link where this guy talks about how he was part of the Harlem Hellfighters, but he didn't get his purple heart until like 30 seventies
1: 77 years. Years. Yes. 77 and this years. this is sorry. Private Johnson. He oh, had extensive wow. injuries. He had a steel plate in his foot. Right, right. But it took 77 years it's for the shame. U.S. government to get around to issuing his Purple Heart. Yeah, that's right. The entire unit got the Croix de Guerre. Also 171 individuals got individual Croix de Guerre. Or Legion of Honor. Legion of Honor is the highest military award, military decoration in France. So we've already said how the French held really high opinions of them uh
0: which, because they had such high opinions of this amazing troop of men, this company was became more passionate about their country. They become even more patriotic. They're they're standing up for what they believe in. They're representing their country in war. They did an amazing job. And uh, one thing that I found pretty funny was. Uh, the French, act- the French high command, actually had a nickname for this group as well. Really, um, and I'm going to butcher my French. I'm very sorry. Huh? But uh, les enfants perdus, the lost children, the
1: lost children.
0: So sad. Yeah, because yeah. their country just didn't really want them. That's it.
1: That's it. Absolutely. So their experience in France was was totally different from their experience in the U.S. So that wasn't 100% colorblind. Uh, post-war racism was also a problem. The 369th was conspicuously absent from the Victory Parade in Paris, although British and French paraded their colonial troops. Some of the soldiers were shipped home in cattle boats. Once back in the U.S., there were uh, 3,000 veterans, and they did march in the Victory Parade up Fifth Avenue.
0: So there's also a famous band that goes with them as they're on the parade, and they're with them through the entire war. Every regiment has its own band, apparently.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this one was a very impressive band.
0: Exactly. Uh, They're very famous for their jazz music, which they introduced to Paris, which then becomes All Rage in Paris. Thank you to the Harlem Hellraisers for introducing jazz to Paris.
1: And Paris has never forgotten that gift.
0: No. Uh, When they come back, also, this band um, kind of ushers in the jazz age here in New York uh, and also... I would say kind of leads to the Harlem Renaissance as well. It's pretty
1: amazing how this is all like linked when they get back. Absolutely, absolutely. This band was the most famous band, world famous by the end of their tour, certainly. And uh, they followed the 369th overseas. They were highly regarded. And they were great for morale. This is why you have a band in the military, is it boosts the morale of soldiers. Uh, the director of the band is James Reese Europe, who uh, became famous for his music even after the war they had a lot of talent over there and not just in fighting Right um,
0: Some notable things that happened after they got back and, and kind of just at the end of the war right before they came back is uh, there was during wartime uh, you have war correspondents going overseas uh, a really famous one Erwin Cobb who was a famous author humorous columnist for the Saturday Evening Post he actually hosted the first Oscars Wow or Academy Awards, sorry. I think they were just called Academy Awards exactly. then. Yeah. He's famous. He's a very famous bigot. <laughs> um, famous for his racist jokes. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, in a really roundabout way, writes an article, like, praising them. Hmm. But like, oh my God, I'm surprised. They're so great. Who'd have thunk it. Um, but it's really amazing because they have a dinner to uh, thank this guy for, you know, his support and being a war correspondent. Well, our our colonel is the guy that puts this on, uh, which some of it's pretty amazing because then the black officers turn their backs and refuse to shake hands with him as he walked by. Nice. So some of this is is pretty good. Mm. Uh, one way they were actually honored was in 1933. There is the 369th Regiment Armory created to honor them. It's uh, you can see it today. Uh, it's 142nd and 5th right in the heart of Harlem. Uh, they started building it in the 1920s. Uh, it took about a decade to finish, which if you see it, it's, you can see why it took so long to
1: build. It is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It got listed there in 1994. And in 2003, the New York State Department of Transportation renamed a four-mile stretch of Harlem River Drive as the Harlem Hellfighters Drive. So on September 29th of 2006, a 12-foot-high monument was unveiled to honor the 369th Regiment. This is actually a replica of the exact same monument that's in France. It's black granite, and it has the 369th Crest and Rattlesnake Insignia. You can go see it today.
0: Yeah, I actually think maybe we should just do a podcast on how they renamed streets. We could, we could, <laughs> we could, we could spend do, an entire episode We could do on a whole that. season on Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So sadly, when the soldiers come back, it's not great. Uh, Things go back exactly the way they were, or if not worse. Maybe
1: worse, yeah. Racial segregation, racial hatred was awful in the post-war era.
0: Some of these soldiers that weren't from the New York area uh, went back to southern cities. And this kind of jumpstarts the great migration of um, black workers to northern cities Mm -hmm. for work. You've also got what I mentioned earlier, which is Red Summer. Um, It's called this because apparently blood from riots flowed so heavily that the streets were red. Unbelievable. Uh, These race riots happened in Texas, Tennessee, Nebraska, Arkansas, Virginia, Chicago as well. Um, Some of this stuff was, um, I mean, there was really, these guys went out and risked their lives. And I think about three quarters of the original soldiers never came home of these African-American soldiers. Um, And they come back to a popular song at the time, which is called How You Going to Keep Them Down on the Farm? Now They've Seen Paris. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, of course, there are race riots. And, of course, things get worse for a while. They've actually lived somewhere where they're treated like human beings and treated equally. And then they come home to...
1: How you going to keep them down? Yeah, it's it's very terrible.
0: But their courage and valor has been recognized since then. Um, I actually really recommend, uh, I haven't bought it yet, but I have flipped through it. Um, Max Brooks
1: wrote a graphic novel. Pretty amazing. There's talks about doing a movie about... Sony Pictures has purchased the rights to make a film version of the novel. Let's hope it doesn't get stuck in development hell.
0: Yeah, please. I would love to see this movie. Uh, so,
1: yeah, so and now. The 369th Infantry Regiment has continued to live on since World War I. In World War II, they were the 369th Anti Aircraft Artillery Regiment. The regiment served in Hawaii throughout much of the Western coast. And then, in more recent history, the 369th Sustainment Brigade Battalion was formed and served in battles, like Kate was saying earlier Desert Storm, Iraqi Freedom, and even the War on Terror.
0: Yeah, they exist to this day. And it's an amazing. Thing I think I th- I feel like if I were part of that if I were in the army it would be a great unit to be a part
1: of just with all the history and pretty pretty amazing absolutely it's a much more storied infantry unit than uh than the average infantry unit which is why they get their own episode of ABC Gotham
0: well well worth it uh, I hope this uh, makes you want to learn maybe even a little more I mean we could have gone into a ton more about this but. Uh, I feel like we'll put a few things we have a few soldiers who can post maybe we'll put the one about waiting 77 years for a purple heart sure yeah there's some amazing pictures you can just see these men who risked
1: everything definitely go to the Facebook page and take a look at the pictures
0: yes please well until next time uh, we hope you got to learn a little bit more about New York and
1: how New York affects the world thanks for listening we hope you learned something you didn't know before See you next time. Bye, everyone. For more ABC Gotham, go to our website, abcgotham.podbean.com. Special thanks to Podcasting's Brock. Music for ABC Gotham is by Big Rude Jake. ABC Gotham is a K2 production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved. You were standing here as Broadway opens up her arms when the crimson skyline bruises black and lights up like a favorite song. I wish you could be here with me on this night in New York City. I wish you could be here with me on this night in New York City. Oh.